0: Um, as I was praying and worshiping, um, I, I was, I was, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience before, but your your eyes are closed. You're worshiping the Lord, and you're like, I really want to see you. I really want to see you. I really want to to know you more intimately. You know, Paul has talked about like leveling up, like just, you know, I don't know if you've experienced. It, I pray you have. It's just this profound desire to actually look into the the, the real eyes of Jesus and hold him, and. um the Lord, and it's, it's bringing tears to my eyes now, the Lord was like, you desire that. How much more do I desire that? And it kind of went with this message tonight. Hey, Jay. Uh, and hey, Tina. Um, that That God is waiting to come back for the full number of the people that he's died for to come into his kingdom. He deeply desires to hold us physically to be, to bring us into his presence in a powerful way and he yet he waits for the for the day and so we need to usher in those people in the spirit into his presence so we're going to talk tonight about that about evangelism in order to to me in order to evangelize in the fullness of the spirit we need to understand more deeply the gospel the gospel is very simple But as we meditate on the simplicity of the gospel, it it roots itself deeper and deeper into our hearts where it will overflow into the lives of those around us. So what does the word gospel mean in the New Testament? I don't know if you've ever heard of the the gentleman R.C. Sproul. He's, He's dead now, but he wrote this in May of 2016. The gospel is the possession of Jesus. But even more, Jesus is the heart of the content of the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus, what he did, his life of perfect obedience, his atoning death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, and his outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. We call those crucial elements the objective aspects of the New Testament gospel of Christ. In addition to the person and work of Jesus, there is also in the New Testament use of the term gospel, the question of how the benefits accomplished by the objective work of jesus are subjectively appropriated to the believer us first there's the question of who jesus was and what he did second is the question of how that benefits you and me that is why paul conjoins the objective account of the person and work of jesus particularly to the galatians with the doctrine of justification by faith alone which is essential to the gospel in preaching the gospel we preach about jesus and we preach about how we are brought into a saving relationship with him. So, you know, again, that's, that's, that's deep and that's a lot. Just hear this. In preaching the gospel, the gospel is the good news. We preach about how we are brought into a saving relationship with him. We, are, we have the privilege of sharing the greatest news ever. That we walk with a God that loves us. We walk with a God who died for us. We walk with a God who prepares a place for us for eternity. No better news. We need to personally own the gospel in every area of our lives. So, I don't know if you've heard this terminology before, but the Christian worldview. God wants us to have a Christ-centered worldview of every situation in our lives. Literally from tying our shoes to preaching a sermon, to sharing the gospel with our friends, to going to the bathroom. He desires for every aspect of our life to be an outflow of the truth that he is with us, will never leave us, and he loves us. So everything in our lives has the ability to present the gospel to ourselves. Again, the Lord loves to affirm and confirm the truth in our lives. You know, I I think that's why he commands us to love him with all that he is. He doesn't need, or with all that we are. He doesn't need it. But as we do that consistently in our lives, we reaffirm that he is worthy of our love, that he alone is worthy of our love, and that he is with us. So the the great thing about understanding Christ in everything is going to present to us personally this fullness, this joy, this peace. This kindness, this gentleness, the fullness of the spirit, the spiritual gifts in our lives. And as we are filled with him, we cannot help but present this worldview to those around us. You know, if he's keeping up, <laughs> Ryan, thank you. I'm not even, he, he's going on this cold turkey like he, this is uh, i I'm not a huge fan of the PowerPoint, but hopefully it will help you. I hope you're not distracted by what's up there. But, um, so the gospel is the hope of salvation. Um, the kingdom has come so christ came and he brought the kingdom and he 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 wants us to embrace the the fullness as much as we can of salvation in the now so the reality of his healing presence in us the reality of his his power to to rebuke the demons um, his power to give us peace and all the fruit of the spirit but there is a coming time when it is going to be far greater And some people, you know, argue against this. And so take it to to the Lord and look at the scriptures. But I believe clearly God calls us to have a hope of a future that is far more grandiose, far more incredible than we can fathom. And it is that hope that brings us into this deep, deep desire for others to know that truth. Because as we walk our day-to-day lives, it's difficult. We ache and pain. We have relational struggles. You know, people create, keep your love on because marriages become divided, because there's divorce, because there are miscarriages, because there's, there's anguish, because there, there's surgeries. But as we put our hope in the day when that will disappear and be gone forever, we, we have a freedom that is, is inexplainable. It is profound. Romans eight eighteen. for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, and again, this is Paul writing this, the anguish that he experienced physically, as well as, I, I've thought about this before, just the reality of his Jewish brothers and sisters you know, rebuking him and, and desiring to kill him. I mean, physical pain is one thing, but when you have people that you deeply love desiring to kill you, when you actually have the truth for them, I mean, that's an anguish that's, that's you know, you have, the only way you can describe it is if you've experienced it. And he says, all of that is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a hope of eternal salvation. I believe the hope of salvation is heavily focused, focusing on what will be a time when there is no tiredness, no hunger, no thirsting, no ailments, no longings. It is good to meditate on this eternal time with the Lord. If you're going through suffering, there aren't a lot of better things that will bring you out of the, the anguish of that suffering than the hope that is to come when there will be no more suffering. And as we more deeply understand that hope, it will necessitate our consideration of other salvation or lack of salvation. First John talks a lot about that. We don't actually know God if we don't deeply love other people. It's so closely tied together. Faith without works. Saving faith without deep love for others is is not saving faith at all. And so, as we grow more deep in our understanding of God's love for us, we're going to be filled with a deeper love for people around us and where they're at with Jesus. Do they know Jesus? And if they do, how well do they know him? Are they set free in every area of their lives? Do they have a Christian worldview that overcomes whatever they've been taught by the world, whatever they've been taught by their flesh? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What is your greatest hope? Is it that eternal place with the Lord? We're called to look into our own lives and see those things that That battle for our hope. Is it money? Is it your bank account? Is it security? Is it for a wife or a husband? That you long for that relationship? Is it that your wife or husband changes? None of these things are are necessarily negative in themselves. But if they trump the hope of salvation, they will deter your loving them deeply will deter because your hope will sway you away. If it's not a hope that's given to you by the Lord, it will deter you from what He has for you in your life. Is it that you get a better job, that you can retire, that you can look better, that you get better at a video game? I was preparing this and talking to my son as he's playing a video game, and we just I was just talking to him about life. And it's like, is that your hope? Is your hope in something like that? or that you're entertained, that you will be with God in heaven for eternity? So the last two. Our, our, I believe what God clearly calls us to put our hope in, that we will be with God in heaven for eternity, that he is with us now, of course, but that there is a glory that awaits us that is profoundly awesome. And then out of that, do you deeply hope and desire for others to know the hope that you have as well? So the hope of salvation, I'm going to whip through this because I really want to get to practical ways to evangelize. And uh, do we end this? I forget. I'm so sorry, Paula. We usually end at like 20 after or 15 after. 20 after, okay. I'm going to do 15 after because I want to pray for you guys. Okay. So. This, this stuff can maybe be heady, but I'm going to whip through this. And, and I highly encourage you, if you want to take a photo of this, or if you want to email me, Chip loves Jesus. Most of you, I'm sure, know these things. But really meditate on these things. Because when you meditate on these truths, they will actually set you free and help you to present these truths to others in your lives that need to hear them. So the first one, our, our depravity apart from Christ. We have nothing of worth to offer God. In his grace, in his mercy, he came and died for us. And even as Christians, we totally and utterly need to depend on God in us. There's a freedom in understanding that because we put our reliance on him. We're not going to these other things in our lives to get what only God can give to us. Meditate on our depravity apart from Christ, that you would know that he is in you and that he is with you and will empower you. The need to repent. So there's that once and for all repentance of turning from anything that we believe that can bring us into eternal life, right? That we turn it back into the truth that Jesus is the only way unto salvation. But there's also an ongoing repentance as well in our lives to turn from those things in our lives that deter us. But, But the reality of the need for others to repent that we're witnessing to, That that needs to be rooted in our heart. That people need to repent from their belief that they can get into heaven by their good works. They can get into heaven because they just think they can. Which I think a lot of people in America just believe. Well, we're just going to get there. Third one, Jesus' perfect sacrifice to open the door for our forgiveness. His righteousness to be given to us and for us to dwell with him for eternity. Know that in your heart. Jesus' ascension opened the door for the Holy Spirit to live in us, for us to be intimate with the Trinity like never before. Understand the depth of our intimacy God desires. I know I've said this before, but he deeply desires for us to understand that we have his mind, that he lives in our hearts, that he wants us to prophesy, speaking his very words into the lives around us as we listen to him. And His ascension to heaven allowed for Him, Holy Spirit, to come and dwell in us. Hallelujah. We have life in the Holy Spirit who lives in us, fills us with who He is, His fruit, His wisdom, and does through us what only we can do through the spiritual gifts that He's given us. So there's a calling in our lives to partner with the Holy Spirit to live out His gifts in our lives. And then, uh, there's a price to pay for being a disciple of Jesus. This is, a, this is a huge one. I think it's always good to look at that reality that Jesus put before us, that there's a cost of discipleship, that he burns up our sacrifice on the altar, that he has called us all to lay down our lives, to pick up our cross. And it's not always easy. Persecution will come. Rejection will come. Count the cost of the discipleship again. Is to me, what it's done in my life is it's made me re-solidify that he is worthy of that. He is worthy of that cost. By far, worthy. You know, and we, before the service, I was talking to Paula. She's talking about going to the next level and really, really uh, prioritizing time with the Lord each day. That is a cost, right? Because we, we could be doing other things that are enjoyable. You know, sometimes our time with the Lord takes effort and work. I even, I even hesitate to even say that in ways because it's like what a privilege we have. But, but there's so many things that pull out our attention. There's a price to pay. He's called us to pray unceasingly, to pray for the saints, to give up what we might want to do in the flesh for the greater glory of his name being magnified in our lives. Not necessarily watching the movie or doing these things that bring us that instantaneous joy, but really pressing in and saying, Lord, do you want me to lay this down for you? And then God alone, we can switch to that next uh, slide. God, we need to understand this. This is a great freedom. That, there's a great freedom that comes from the reality that we understand that God alone does the evangelism. He alone draws people to himself. He alone convicts people of their sin and their need for him. He alone gives people the faith unto salvation. We have been given the, given the privilege to go along for the ride, but only what he has to say through us is, is going to do the work that he desires to do. We might say, well, I'm, that means I'm worthless. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's this freedom to understand that as we give the power back to God and say, only you could do that. We can we can take away the stress, get the stress out of our lives, the anxiety out of our lives For the people that he's put into our lives. that we can actually get to a place of rest where we say, I have nothing, Lord. You alone. I've been praying for my brother, my sister, 20 plus years for them to know the Lord. I have such peace about them because I've given it over. It's not in my power to transform them. There's such a freedom in evangelism when we actually say, this person is yours. I'm, I'm actually ministering to a guy that I'm working with and his wife actually just had, or not, his fiance just had a miscarriage and I, I, I was given, I'm given the opportunity by God to bring God into the picture and it's risky, but I'm like, does she have any faith? Because I know that's the only thing that's going to really comfort her through this time of trial. Like God alone is the one who's going to be able to minister to her heart. And in that process of, of giving it up, I've been, had this peace to really sit and listen as I'm with him and not push, push my agenda on him that he would know Jesus, but to be myself. And to allow God to do what he needs to do. So as I've thrown out those, the words, God, the words, Jesus, I've watched and waited. And I haven't seen him respond in huge ways. Thankfully, he said, you know, his, his fiancee, Kristen, does have some faith but I, I you know as we give God the power that only he has to do these things in the lives of those we're witnessing to it gives us the freedom to be at peace and to listen better for what he desires for us to say in the lives of those people so now we're going we're gonna to watch a little hopefully this video will come up this is, I've, been, I've been pretty intense this will hopefully give you a, a good laugh or two You guys heard of the skit guys before? (laughs) this is hilarious if it plays. If it doesn't, it's okay. Of course. So as that's coming up, let's get practical. Where does evangelism come from? Well, it comes from our personal intimacy with God, understanding the hope of salvation, like we talked about, and where that hope comes from. That the hope comes from Jesus Christ and his blood alone. So truly, truly spirit-inspired, spirit-filled evangelism comes from our personal intimacy with God and understanding that our intimacy with God has come only because of Jesus' blood and the faith that he's given us unto salvation. Evangelism comes from being mindful of others' eternal maturity. Walking obedience to God and fellowship with God in word and deed in the lives of those that are in our lives and who come into our lives. This prophetic evangelism. Cool. Is that the, oh, that's not, that's Ravi Zacharias. I think I put the wrong one in there. That's all right. This, he, that's a good video too, but we'll just, we'll just move on. Um, maybe we'll play it next time. It's, it's actually a really funny video. But. So, so walking obedience to God When we're we're walking in obedience with people in our lives, we'll have that prophetic word for them that they need to hear. Our words and our deeds in the lives of those who God has brought to us. So evangelism comes from listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to what God would speak to that person in our lives. So it's the last screen here, practical evangelism. Know your own testimony. I went through this long series that actually whittled my, my testimony down to about two minutes. So we actually were, we timed each other. and The mentality behind that was that we would actually know what God has done in our lives. So I boiled my testimony down to the fact that I didn't know where I was going when I died. I had no hope of salvation. But when I met Jesus, he gave me a hope of salvation. I know where I'm going. I have no fear of death. I had no purpose before I knew Jesus. I purposely, I was, I was managing a bagel place. I was doing these different things in my lives that supposedly had purpose. But the reality was I didn't really have any real significant purpose. So I was lacking that. When I came to know Jesus, I came in a deep purpose in my life. I had, we have the greatest purpose there is to bring people into eternal relationship with, with God forever. So in my life, those two things, were huge for me. So as I share with other people, as you share your testimonies with other people, know it. Why do you want to share the good news about Jesus with other people? What is your personal testimony of your experience with the Lord? And as I was coming over here, I was dropping off Hannah and I was asking her, why would she want to share the gospel with others? She was saying, well, because he's forgiven me of so much sin. So she realizes, she has realized in her 12-year-old life how much she's done that's been wrong and bad and how good God is that he would forgive her for all those sins. Maybe you can relate. Many people can relate to that. They feel like they're imperfect and pure, not worthy. And then she talked about also the Father loving her, the fact that she's experienced the touch of the Father in her life. How, it's just awesome i just love to hear that from her know your testimony be yourself i'm going to testify to jesus differently than you are now I, I don't have those fears a lot of times to go up to people and say hey you know god put this on my heart and but you might not be that person you've got to be yourself as you witness to others about who jesus is my son, as I was asking this question, he goes, Dad, I'm just really shy. Like, I just really don't, like, you can do this, but I just don't, I just don't. And I'm like, it's okay, Noah. I'm like, I just want you to be, have it rooted in your heart why you love Jesus personally. And I believe that some people in this room are shy, but, but God actually is going to draw you out of that shyness because he's actually going to manage in your life and power in your life, and that it will become easier to be more bold. I used to be a middle school, frightened, beat-up guy. I was bullied when I was in middle school. But God took me from that place. The more I got to know him, the more I got to understand that people were dying apart from him, the more I understood the fact that I was blind to so many things in my lives, in my life that were true, the more I wanted to share it. The more I couldn't help but go to people and share this truth with them. Talk about your personal relationship with Jesus. This is huge. I can't tell you people I've talked to in the faith that are unwilling to just talk about their relationship with Jesus with others. Is he the the biggest thing in your life? If that's the case, you're going to want to share with the people in your life. I talk about Jesus all the time at work. It's my life. It's part of my life. You know, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to praise Jesus on Sunday. I'm going to prepare to talk about Jesus on Saturday. Talk about your personal relationship with Jesus. Even the struggles. Ask questions. Don't be afraid. The enemy, I guarantee you, if you haven't walked in this, you haven't seen that fear, that that the enemy's going to come and and really wrap your mind up in this fear. What will happen if I ask these questions? I'm here to put those to rest. People do not attack you. They don't pull out knives and stab you when you ask these simple questions. I guarantee you they won't. I've never had that happen. I've had two people in my life when I've asked to pray for them say no. And that's all they said. And one of the dudes I see in the supermarket, and he'll, I'll be like, how are you doing? He goes, I'm feeling much better. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to pray for you regardless. Simple questions like, where do you think you will go when you die and why? Have you ever read the Bible? Would you like to meet Jesus? It's kind of neat. I had, uh, I had three testimonies this week uh, just as I was preparing for this. One was from Steve, and he shared about, you know, meeting somebody and asking him if they had met Jesus before. And and what I took from that and, and from the other two experiences I had was this joy. Like, I loved, it was great that Steve asked this question, but to me, what affected me more about hearing his evangelistic, you know, story, was the joy that he had. Because that, I mean, it shows that he really loves Jesus because he actually was overjoyed to share that. He was overjoyed to to be able to witness to who Jesus is in this other person's life. God desires us to ask these questions of people because we have the joy of the Lord, because we have this freedom and this truth and this hope. Can I pray with you? Well, it's not my question. It's not my question, but it is a simple question. Have you ever met Jesus? No. People a lot of times say no. I've same thing, Steve's guy said, no, I haven't met him personally. And I hear that all the time. And I say, would you like to meet him personally? Guess what people say? Yes. They want to meet Jesus. Who wouldn't? If I say this, I say, if Jesus were real, if he really was God and he died for you, would you want to meet him? Because he's here right now. No one has said, no, I would want to meet him. They're like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I'll put you to the test. And then you can get out of the way and be, like, okay, Jesus, you heard what he said or what she said. She wants to meet you. So, Lord, manifest and present yourself to this person. Tonight, tomorrow, every day, until she embraces that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, that's profoundly powerful. Share the truth simplistic truth. Jesus came to die for you, that you would know him for eternity. The prophetic word. I can't emphasize this enough. For, for those of you who know me, and know, Paul talks about this, Like I really don't have anything to say to anybody that's of worth. I need the word from God for these people. And so I'll, I will. I'll be in the gym and I'll be like, why are you, why are you drawing me these people in the gym? I don't want to talk to anybody in the gym he draws me these like 20 year old women in spandex and I'm like all right and I'll go over to them and be like I feel like God wants to say a word for you I know this is weird I'm not trying to pick you up I just feel like God wants to say something to you Do you want to hear it what do they say yes I would like to hear what God might say to me okay so this is what I heard I heard that you know you you know God loves you so deeply and that it he doesn't care what you look like he looks at the, your heart. I mean, it's not even profound. I mean, it's profound stuff, but it's not like you live at 448 Lincoln Road and you were born on May 28th. Like, it's not that. It's just the simple gospel truth. But it's, but it's given to me by the Lord in the moment and, and people will just start crying or they'll just start, thank you so much, I need to hear that. Can you mind if I pray for you? Not at all. Middle of the gym. People want to know God. Pray for others when you are alone and with others. There's a profound power in our prayers. And so, Lord, we lift up those in our lives that do not know you. Meet them. We deeply, deeply desire, as you do, for them to know you. Break them of their sinfulness. Break them of their blindness, of their hardness of heart. Visit them. Father, please send angels to minister. Wake them up. If you need to blind them physically, that they would know that you're real, do it. Father, we we ask you in the name of your son that not one drop of his blood would be lost. Wake up our family and friends to the truth that you alone have life for them. God says when we agree on anything, it shall be done unto us. Agree with your spouse. Agree with your friends for the salvation of your family, for the salvation of your friends. Do we agree? Do we agree? I agree with you for the salvation of your family and friends. Father, we agree. Your word says. Open their eyes. Break them. Break them. Set them free. Encourage, I'm almost done. Encourage others in their pursuit of truth. I've heard testimony of testimony about people who have read the scriptures and been transformed by the word. It still blows my mind. That's not how I came to know Jesus. But there are people that I talk to all the time. Encourage people to read the scriptures. I had a, I had a professor who was uh, Doug Grotes, who actually got us on our knees, and he said, he said and he's like he calls himself a curmudgeon. Look that one up. He's like this callous kind of, he, he's not anymore. He got remarried. His wife actually passed away. He went through this. Anyway, he's, he, he is an apologetic teacher. You know, he goes into debates with people, you know, where like probably a very small percent of the word people are like, yeah, I want to go there. <laughs> but, but he, his heart is so good, so pure. And so he, he said, how many of you have fasted for a day for your, for a friend or a family member that doesn't know Jesus? You know, just convicted us. Like how many of you have actually sacrificed one day worth of food for, to pray For a family member or friend that you know doesn't know Jesus. And then at the end of that fast, just said to them, would you read the book of Luke for me? Just just let me know your opinion. Because you believe, we believe, that the word is that powerful. And you might be convicted of this yourself even now. I know when I did this sermon, I was like, when I was preparing for this, I'm like, oh Lord, I need to be refreshed in my understanding of your love for people. Ask them to pursue their truth in their own time. Hey, we don't have to do this right now. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Encourage others in their pursuit of truth. Ultimately, right, only God is going to reveal himself to them. It might be in that moment. I've never experienced this. I've experienced people touched by the Spirit, but I've, I've never, I really haven't had very many experiences where people like, I want to give my life to Jesus right now, here now. I I pray for that. I pray for more of that. Encourage people in their, you know, before you go to bed, just ask God the Father if he's real to reveal himself to you in your dreams. He says when you seek him, you'll find him. When you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Let's just see what happens. Wouldn't it be worth you doing that every night for a, a month just to see if he's real? And then follow up. Don't just be a one-time evangelist. Did you read the book? You said you were going to read the book of Luke. Did you read it? What would you think? So, Lord, we thank you for this time. I know I've gone over. Thank you for the mercy of this family of, of ours. Thank you for their grace in listening. Lord, we deeply desire to be filled with you, that we would overflow your truth and life into the lives of those around us. Thank you for the hope of salvation. Thank you that your presence is real. Thank you that we have the peace that passes all understanding. Give us your eyes. Give us your heart for the lost and the broken. Give us your heart for those who love you, but are going through a tough time. We never grow weary of hearing of your great truths, Lord God. How we need you, every moment, every day. We desire you. And we thank you for the food we're about to receive. Do you mind if I continue to pray? So we just thank you for the food. We do break this bread in remembrance of you, Jesus, your body broken for us. We drink in remembrance of your blood shed for us. Oh, it is so good to ruminate to meditate, to chew over and over and over again on the reality of your death for us. The resurrection and the life everlasting. Thank you again for Tim and Joanna, their generosity in providing the food tonight. Bless our conversations, Lord, that we'd speak words of life into each other. For your name's sake, Jesus, amen.